Good morning, church. It's great to see everybody this morning. Please stand with us as we come together and worship God through song. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior. Promises that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God, I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. promises of Christ the Lord, bound to him eternally by love's strong cord, overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing. Standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Please be seated. Dar's new Sunday school class. Now I can whisper. Randy Dar's new Sunday school class, or not Sunday school, but new class, Survey the Bible, begins tonight at 6, and it's not too late to sign up. It sounds like a really awesome class. We can get you the books. Um, it would be a really good one to go to. Wednesday night is Prayer and Share at 6. 60, but I'm maybe 630. 660, 630, really, aka. 630 Wednesday, and Charlie Baker is going to lead the prayer and share. 
Um, we would like to also invite you guys, if you aren't a part of our Sunday school in the morning, we'd love for you guys to come to our classes. We have a bunch of different ones that we offer, and we'd love for you guys to come. And if you have little kids, I love little kids, just send them upstairs. We'll play and learn all kinds of good stuff. Um, but I do have to stop really quick and notice this really awesome jersey over here. It's not a Steelers jersey, but Kansas City Chiefs is pretty close to number one. If we could have Mark Willem, please come up and lead us in prayer today. Thank you. <laughs> I agree, she doesn't need a mic very often. Um, let's please take this time to go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for bringing us this, this fine day and bringing us to your house so we can hear your word, your word through, the, through the message and through the music. And I ask you to please lay the, the, the right message on Cliff's heart and, and Adam's heart that they'll convey exactly the, what you have for them to us today. And um, Lord, I ask you to be with the offering we received today that as a church, we do have a business to do and that we do it, we do what you ask us to do with it, and that we do every step that we do is, is according to your will. And for there may be somebody lost in, in this building today that you'll open their heart and their ears to your message that we will we'll get to see another brother and sister come to the Lord in your name, Lord. Amen. Okay, please stand with me once again if you're able, and we'll continue to worship through song. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan? A son and daughter, the King of glory, the King of glory, who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of his brilliance, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love 
that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You laid down your life, that I would be set free. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You laid down your life, that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Your mercy and grace 
won't find me again. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. Nothing is better than you. You turn morning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. You turn morning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. You turn graves into into armies you turn seas into highways you're the only one who can you're the only one who can oh there's nothing better than you there's nothing better is better than you oh there's nothing better than you there's nothing better than you oh there's nothing nothing is better than you you turn into gardens you turn bones into armies you turn seas into highways you're the only one who can you turn graves into gardens you turn bones into armies you turn seas into highways you're the only one who can you're the only one who can you're the only one who can please be seated
So, I missed you guys last week. Did you miss me? <laughs> yeah, okay. So, so anyway, anyway um, we're, we're in, in 1 Samuel. Okay, we're in the 17th chapter of 1 Samuel. If you know a story about David, this is the story that you know about David. This is David and Goliath, all right? That's a story that we're going to read today. And we're not going to, there's like 58 verses in this chapter. And we're going to skip some of them. So, you know, during the downtime, like the, the football game doesn't start till 2 o'clock this afternoon. So you got a little bit of time. So you can read what I don't read. Read it over again and catch those things that, that you that we didn't catch this time. Some of those things have an impact on you. It's a, it's a neat story, and there's a lot of stuff inside that are impactful. So why, were, why are we in 1 Samuel in the first place? So the end of March, the 31st, is Easter. We're going to be talking about the resurrection, right? We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about Jesus now, because as we talk about David, why are we talking about David? Because in the New Testament, in the, book of, in, in the Gospels, Jesus is referred to as the son of David. When we read those Christmas stories, we read about the angels speaking, they referred to the one who would be in the lineage of, David, of King David. And so there's a tie in there, and what we want to look at is the foreshadowing. And what's that mean? So in the Old Testament, my Old Testament professor was great. I have a love because of Dr. Huckabee for the Old Testament. Guy was great. And what, he, what I remember him telling about was, when, why is YouTube great? Because it's got pictures. Because it has video. We, you know, somebody mentioned they went to Ikea just recently. And it's like, you get that package at Ikea and you pull it out and it's got all the directions and there's no pictures. That's why it never gets put together right. Because they don't put pictures in there, we're not going to get it right. And so... What the Old Testament does is gives us pictures for things in the New Testament that we don't understand, or that we clarify so that we understand that better. And so we look at, as we look here at this story of David and Goliath, we're going to see something that foreshadows Jesus Christ, that points us or illustrates something to us that Jesus did that we may not fully comprehend at this point. So I'm going to ask you this question. Have you ever looked at a job, maybe that thing in a box, a task, whatever it was, and you said, I can't do it. It's just, it's too big for me to do. It's too big for me. You ever walked away? When did you walk away? You opened up the box and you looked at it and go, well, uh, this is, I'm going to have to call a professional, okay, because this is way too complicated. When did you walk away? That's the question I want you to keep in mind as we walk through this. You know, when, when did you retreat? What job? Whatever it was. Because when you read the story of Goliath, guess what? Retreat happens. And so I want to ask us that question because I know we all want to be David, right? But all too often we're Samuel over David's brothers. Because we look at something and we just walk away because it's, too, it's simply too big. It's frightening to us. We were watching the other night. I actually conned Lisa in. I just grabbed the remote and we watched YouTube. So I watched motorcycle videos. <laughs> right? So we were watching 
Australia, I believe. We watched Iceland. Iceland was pretty cool. But Australia video, it's like kind of into two of them. Right? So we're watching the video, and the guy, he said, we went down this long mountain, and then we started back up, and it's really steep and loose, and, and he crashed. And then he started looking more, he started looking at the topography of the thing, pulled out his chart, and he goes, this was the simple part of this climb. We're going to find someplace else, another way out of here instead of climbing it. In other words, what did they do? They saw a mountain that was too high to climb, and so they found, another, they found a nice smooth dirt road that didn't go up a mountain to get them out of, out of there, something that you could take your, 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 um, your minivan down, okay? That's the kind of road they look for instead of that Jeep road kind of thing. So as we're here in, in 1 Samuel 17, let's set up some background. We're going to walk through the survey of the Bible. You guys are going to walk through the survey of the Bible. It's, we're going to kind of look to, through the timeline. And here we are. The Bible starts out with a period of beginnings. That's the creation, the flawed sin. All of that's in, the, in, the, in that period. Then the age of the patriarchs, which is Abraham. Starts with Abraham, ends with Joseph. Then Exodus is Moses, right? You knew that. You guys are bright. The conquest is the book of? Joshua, right? That's when they enter into the promised land. And then we go into Judges, which is the book of? Hey, you guys are catching on now, okay? It is the book of Judges, United Kingdom and the Divided Kingdom. And right now, we're on the very beginning of the United Kingdom, and it's in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. It's in, it's in 1 Chronicles, and it starts there with the United Kingdom and the Divided Kingdom. Saul is the first of the kings. Samuel, the last of the judges, has been directed by God to anoint Saul as king. Back a few weeks ago, you can watch the sermon, you can read the text, it's in 1 Samuel 13, 14, 15. Samuel was asked to do a couple things. Or Saul was, excuse me, Saul was asked to do a couple things. And Saul didn't do it. One, he ursed up the office of the, the priest. He offered the sacrifice rather than waiting for Samuel. Now, he justified it. God didn't take his justification. Remember that. When you, even though you can be proud of your justification of your own sin, God's not buying it. And so, later on, Paul was directed to wipe out the Amalekites. Everything they had. Clean out the closet. That means take everything from the closet and the drawers in that room and take it to the dumpster. I don't want any of it. But instead, Saul did what we would do, and he started fishing through things and decided to keep things. So when Samuel shows up, you know, Saul's all proud of what he did, and Samuel goes, what's that bleeding that I, of sheep that I hear? Well, we saved the best ones for sacrifice, and we spared the king. What was your instructions? Messed up. Again, Saul had justified it. So God removed Saul from being king. Now, at this time, Saul's not buying the removal of the king. He's still king. He's still got, if he had a crown, he still got the crown. And David has been anointed, although Samuel, or excuse me, Saul doesn't know it. Matter of fact, Samuel ends up at the end of the 16th chapter, Samuel, and, excuse me, David ends up playing music 
for Saul to calm him because the evil spirit is now on Saul and the spirit of the Lord is on David. So that's what we got going on here. That's what's going on here. So as we into reading 1 Samuel 17, that's kind of the background as we get here. Saul's still king. David is king, but not king. There's not even any mention of that. How many of you bowl? Yeah, a couple of you. I almost asked you if you'd bring your bowling ball today. Okay. The average bowling ball, this is for perspective, the average bowling ball for an adult male is 14 pounds. It ranges from somewhere to 13, and it can go up higher. I don't know. How, how much does your bowling ball weigh? 14, 15, 16, okay. When we read these first 11 verses, perspective, we're going to read it, matter of fact, we're going to read it out of the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, instead of the New American Standard. I've switched today because how many of you know how much six and a half cubits is? Okay, the New American Standard uses cubits and shekels for measurements, and, and I'll be honest with you, when it does that, I have to find another one because I don't understand that. It's, it's, it's worse than metric, okay? Just, that's just the way it is. But the CSB does that. So when you're reading through this, he talks about the spear that Goliath has. And there's other measurements, like the, 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 the Cody puts on like 100-something pounds. But the, 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 the spear that he has is like a weaver's beam. It itself weighs about 15 pounds, is what I understand. The head of the spear is heavier than your bowling ball. Now, how far can you throw your bowling ball in the air? <laughs> okay? I, I can skip one down the bowling lane, where it hits and bounces, but it's not, it's not like, okay, I'm going to go to battle with this spear that I can go like this, okay? I mean, that's just what that, that means. So understand the perspective of it, because as we open up this 17th chapter of 1 Samuel, it's the, it's the opening to the football game. Here is the team. Here are their players. Here, here are the rankings across the league. It sets you up to understand what was facing David and Saul and his army. So let's read it here, beginning in verse 1. The Philistines, these were the enemy, right? The Philistines who lived to the west side of Israel. The Philistines gathered their forces for war at Soko in Judah and camped between Soko and Ezekiah and Ephes Daman. Saul and the men of Israel gathered and camped in the valley of Elah. Then they lined up in battle formation to face the Philistines. The Philistines were standing on one hill, and the Israelites were standing on another hill with a ravine between them. Lined up in battle. This is the setting, right? They're, they're explaining where it's taking place. One army's over here, one army's over here. There's a valley in between. They're, they're going to go to war. Verse 4 changes up the dynamics of this battle that we're expecting. Verse 4 says, Then a champion named Goliath from Gath came out from the Philistine camp. He was nine feet, nine inches tall. That's tall. Okay? And wore a bronze helmet and bronze scale armor that weighed 125 pounds. 
There was bronze armor on his shins, and a bronze javelin was slung between his shoulders. His spear shaft was like a weaver's beam, and the iron point of his spear weighed 15 pounds. In addition, a shield-bearer was walking in front of him. He stood and shouted at the Israelite battle formations. Why do you come out to line up in battle formation, he asked them. Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose one of your men and have him come down against me. If he wins in a fight against me and kills me, we will be your servants. But if I win against him and kill him, then you will be our servants and serve us. Then the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel today. Send me a man so we can fight each other. When Saul and all Israel heard these words from the Philistine, they lost their courage and were terrified. So that's when Goliath walks out of here. They're ready to go to battle, right? Here's the Philistines on one side. Here's the Israelites on one side. They line up. They're ready to go. And then out of the midst of this, stands a guy who's nine foot nine, who's carrying a bowling ball at the end of his spear, only it's sharper than a bowling ball, and he can toss it. What's their response? It says, <laughs> you know, they lost their carriage and were terrified. So what you get is the idea that when they're ready, they got their shields and they got their weapons and they're ready to go in this formation. And then this guy steps out and says, one of you come over and fight me. The winner takes all. And they're looking at one another, five foot five tall guys. They're looking at one another going, who's going? <laughs> Ain't nobody going, right? Because they're terrified. Think about this. <coughs> I asked you, when did you turn away and walk? When did you walk away because the problem was too big? You're standing there with the you're standing there with Saul and the rest of the guys. And you're all ready. We got this, Saul. We're, we're gonna take down these bad Philistines. And then this guy walks out and he's like, and you're like, huh? <laughs> what do you do? Do you lose your courage? I, I think, I, you know, honestly, I want to be David, right? But the honest part of it is, I'm probably more like Saul and the rest of the guys. He comes out and it's like, well, I'm looking at that mountain. It's like I already fell down once. I ain't doing that again. Picking the bike on an uphill thing is not something I want to do. Fighting the guy that's nine foot nine tall, I don't want to do this. Now, in the next portion that we read, we're going to meet David's three older brothers. Now, they have been on the battlefront. They are, they are some of the guys standing in the line with Saul when Goliath comes out. They are some of those that lost their courage and were terrified. We're going to meet them because in the story, in the verses that you're going to read before the football game or during the, during the 20 minutes of commercials that they have, you're going to read that while they were in battle, 40 days, this goes on, back and forth, every day Goliath comes out. Every day they get terrified. I don't know what they were hoping. He'd just get tired and leave. But anyway, at this time, David is running food back and forth, you know, because they need a food train to, to keep them fed. They, you know, they, it's not like they can farm while they're on the battlefront. 
and his father has been sending him. So we're going to meet Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah. Those are the three oldest brothers. Now, in the 16th chapter, these were the brothers who were passed over by Samuel. Interestingly enough, just keep that in the back of your mind. They, how many of you got a little brother? Right. How many of you would you send your little brother up against a nine foot nine tall guy? <laughs> As a sacrifice, right? Okay. All right. You likely think that your skills are above your little brother's skills. They don't see David as an answer or as a possibility. Right? They're, they're kind of frustrated that he showed up. And we're going to read that. Here we are in the 20th verse of this chapter, reading 20 through 30. So David got up early in the morning, left the flock with someone to keep it. He's doing this under his father's instructions. Loaded up and set out as Jesse had charged him. He arrived at the perimeter of the camp as the army was marching out to its battle formation, shouting their battle cry. Israel and the Philistines lined up in battle formation, facing each other. David left his supplies in the care of the quartermaster and ran to the battle line. When he arrived, he asked his brothers how they were. He was supposed to take that word back. While he was speaking with them, suddenly... The champion named Goliath, the Philistines from Gath, came forward from the Philistine battle line and shouted his usual words, which David heard. When all the Israelite men saw Goliath, they retreated from him, terrified. Previously, an Israelite man had declared, Do you see this man who keeps coming out? He comes to defy Israel. The king will make the man who kills him very rich and will give him his daughter. The king will also make the family of that man's father exempt from paying taxes in Israel. David spoke to the men who were standing with him what will be done for the man who kills that Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel. Just who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The troops told him about the offer, concluding that is what will be done for the man who kills him. David's oldest brother, Eliab, listened as he spoke to the men, and he became angry with him. Why did you come down here, he asked. Why did you leave those few sheep, who did you leave those few sheep with in the wilderness? I know your arrogance and your evil heart. You came down to see the battle. What have I done now, protested David. I was, it was just a question. Then he turned from those beside him to others in front of him and asked about the offer. The people gave him the same answer as before. So in these verses, what we've seen is it's, it's reinforced for us. Every time Goliath shows up, they're terrified. It hasn't changed from day one when we read about it in the first 11 verses. That hasn't changed. It's still occurring. So for 40 days, he's been coming out. For 40 days, they became terrified. And David happens to be there this day. We get a hint at what's to come because of what David says. Who is this uncircumcised 
Philistine that would defy the armies of the living God, right? So we get an idea of, of David's stance as positioned against the stance of Saul and his army. It's important to note as we move through this, we see a difference between Saul, who now has the spirit of God's left him, and he's got the spirit, the evil spirit on him, and we have David who has the spirit of God on him. That makes a difference. It makes a difference if you've got the Holy Spirit in you or not, right? So here in the 37th verse, we're going we're to scoot down here. And we're going to read this. You can read the rest later. Then David said, the Lord who rescued me from the paw. And he's speaking now to Saul. So they've brung him before Saul because they've heard what he said. Then David said, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistines. Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. This is interesting. This is important stuff, important stuff for you, important stuff for me, important stuff for David. So as David speaks, you know, he's the shepherd boy that ought to be watching the sheep. That's exactly what his brothers had declared to him. Who's watching the sheep? That's where you ought to be. You just can't, you know, it's, it's, it reminded, every time I read that line, it reminds me of a hockey game or NASCAR, right? We're not there to see who wins. We're there to see the crash or the fight, okay? That's just how it works out. So we're disappointed when the race ends. David recounts, because let's face it, he's a shepherd boy. We think of the guy with the staff who goes out and he stands and he watches sheep. How hard can that be, right? The sheep don't do much. They eat grass. They're only going to go where the grass is green. They're not going to wander very far. They eat and move a little bit. They eat and move a little bit. You know, you could mow along with them. That's what we think of. And then David tells us a different story. Because the shepherd defended them from bears and lions. You're watching sheep with a stick, a staff, maybe crooked like we always picture. And a bear shows up. A hungry bear shows up, or a hungry lion shows up, and he takes off with the sheep. What do you do? It was hungry. I'm feeding the bears. I mean, that's just that's what I'm doing. The lion's hungry. He's got to eat too. That's a sheep. We'll grow another one. David apparently pursued or confronted the lion and the bear. As a matter of fact, it said, and this is such stuff you're going to have to read, I grabbed their fur and snatched it back out of their mouth. How many of you snatch food back out of your dog's mouth? <laughs> Think about that. Would you do that with a bear? We were at the zoo when Alicia was little and cute, okay? Years ago. <laughs> Much younger. We're at the zoo, and we're standing in front of this bear thing, that pit where the bears are at. And all of a sudden, up over the fence line comes a chewy toy for a bear with bear slobber on it. It bounces off the pavement, hits me in the leg, and I pick it up. Now, what do I do with a slobbery toy that belongs to a bear? 
I tossed it back as soon as I could because I didn't want to come looking for it. Okay, that's just the way it is. So I can't imagine why I would chase a bear down that's got a, one of my lambs in its mouth and grab it by the fair and say, Mr. Bear, that lamb belongs to me. But that's what he did. And he doesn't take credit for it. He knows, he knows that it wasn't by his strength. It was by God's strength. That's hugely important. So when we stand and we face some giant in our life, when we recall what we've done, it's not what we've done that we need to recall. It's what God has done in our life previously that we need to recall. That's what we can stand on. It's not what we've done. It's what God's done. And that's what, what David is going to stand on. So let's read in the 40th verse. We're going to see the confrontation now because Saul has said, hey, go have at it. If you want to go fight Goliath, go have at it. Here's what happens in verse 40, 41, 40. He took his stick. He's been given all the armor that Saul had and he's taken it off. It doesn't fit. Too. He took his stick in his hand, chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had even in his pouch. And his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Then the Philistine came on and approached David with the shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy with a handsome appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine also said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Stop there for a second. So what we see is David coming out. Little bitty guy. He, the Philistine is offended. He wants a battle. And they send that to a guy with a stick. That's a reference to being a dog. And he says, We're, My gods are... are and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Their god was Dagon, the god that they put the ark beside, that they came back the next morning and it was down, face down, with its head chopped off and hands chopped off. That's the god he cursed him by. So, Philistine saw says that, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. Battle lines, let's look at who they, what they've got, all right? This is the weaponry. Goliath, he's huge, he's got all this, he's got the javelin, he's got the sword, he's got the spear that's got a bowling ball on the tip of it. Saul, or David stands there and he doesn't say, I got five stones, I've got a sling. He says, I come out to you in the name of the Lord difference. This is what David's got. That's what he's got. You come to me this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. It's 48. Then it happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David that David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David brought his hand into his bag and took from it a stone and slung it. 
and struck the Philistine on his forehead, and the stone sank into his forehead, so that he fell on his face to the ground. Thus David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and stone, and he struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hand. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out from its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. The simple part is Goliath fell. Goliath died. When I read about this, it, it amazes me that we try to explain why Goliath might have died so easily. Goliath died easily because he stood there in his own strength and David stood there in God's strength. That's why he died. It's not because he had a weak forehead. It's not because it was a lucky shot. God killed Goliath with the stone that came from David's sling. Only needed one. The Lord delivered. That's exactly what David tells us before it happens. It's not that I'm going to kill you. It's the Lord is going to deliver you. And today, everybody's going to know that it was the Lord. It wasn't my... Don't go out, you know, don't run out and buy a sling and, and, and get rocks from this brook. But that's what we would do, right? When we see somebody else do something and it works, we go out and get the same. What kind of bat did you use to make that home run? What kind of shoes made you so fast? What kind, of, what kind of perfume were you wearing when you asked that girl to, to be your valentine? Right? We, I want to get that stuff, right? That's what we do. We, we mimic what works. But David says this. David makes it clear, if we want to do, if we want to have victory, what do we need to do? Not get stones, not learn how to use a sling. Not wrestle bears and lions, but trust in the God in God who delivered him. The Lord delivered him. Everybody would know that's what we need to do. So when we face that uphill thing, when we face that thing that we walk away from, what's lacking, oftentimes it's lacking, is our faith in God to deliver us, to carry us past this obstacle that's in our way. We cower at it, we fear, we tremble. God is bigger than anything you face. We need, I need, to remember that. Remember back in verse 9? Remember that promise that the Philistines made? Hey, bring the guy down. We'll fight. He wins. We're your servants. I win. You're our servants. So, a little side note. For you to think about. Because the enemy always, the enemy of God that we work with, those temptations that we work with in our lives, they always promise something, don't they? Man, you'll feel a lot better. Life will be better. The enemy lies. So when Goliath was beheaded, dead on the ground, you just read, and you'll read later, that the Philistines came over to the Israelites and said, hey, what do you want us to do? You want us to polish your, your swords? You want us to pack your tent up? We'll carry it back to your house. We'll take care of things. 
No, they ran because they weren't going to be servants. The enemy lies. We need to remember that the enemy lies. Let's think about the foreshadow for a moment. In this battle between a little guy, handsome, ruddy, not battle-tested, that's what Goliath looked at him, against this nine-foot-nine tall guy with all his stuff, with a bowling ball on the end of his weaver's beam, pointed, but he can throw it. No, everybody else in the camp, all the warriors that had battled in other battles, they cowered and were terrified. They lost their courage standing. This giant that set up, this little guy defeated. Jesus came, was born in a manger. He went to the cross. They nailed him on the cross. This was supposed to be the end of it, right? They nailed him to the cross. He died on the cross. They put him in a grave. They rolled a stone in front of the grave. They, matter of fact, they set a guard in front. Somebody would steal his body. But on the third day, the stone was rolled away, and Jesus walked out of that grave. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us at the end of that chapter, tells us, as Paul quotes Old Testament Scripture, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Our Jesus Christ that we put our trust into defeated an enemy much greater than Goliath. You could put millions of Goliaths together. He defeated death on our behalf so that we might have eternal life. You see this? I understand how a little guy takes down a big guy. And he gives me a picture of what Jesus Christ did for me when he walked out of that grave alive. And I know that he's coming back. That's what Jesus Christ did. He overcame the ultimate enemy in death. And if you've read the end of the book, the enemy who stands against him we cast in the lake of fire for all time. Our God has nothing that he cannot defeat, that he will not defeat. So who will we stand on? Here's the action steps. What do we do with that? What do we do with what we just read? What is your Goliath or who is your Goliath? It, may, it changes month to month, year to year. What, I, what was my Goliath when I was a little kid was the thing underneath the bed, right? Now it's a whole lot different. Your Goliath changes, but what is your current Goliath? And here, I want you to pay attention to how this is worded. It's not what are you going to do about it, but what is God going to do? And usually you'll find that it's based on what God has already done in your life and what he does to this Goliath will add to the library of those things which you stand on the next time you face another Goliath in your life. I want you to think about that. Write it down. Date it. Because there will be a time when you come back and say, look, I'm in dire straits again. And right now, I'm, I've lost my courage and I'm afraid. I need to be reminded of what God has done for me in the past. You and I need to be reminded from time to time as we stand here. I, I'm a child of God because, why? Not because of what I've done. Just, I'm not going to heaven because Cliff was good. You all know better. 
I'm going to heaven because Jesus died for me and I acknowledged my sin and asked for forgiveness and I asked him to be my Savior. That's an invite. If you've not done that, that's an invite for you to do. But in so doing that, I have now, through the blood of Jesus Christ, an eternal home in heaven. The chains of sin have been broken. The penalty has been paid. And I am free. That's the victory that I stand on today. The rest of the things that I face in life are small in comparison. He's delivered. He will again. Let's remember that. We're going to stand. Adam is going to come up here and lead us in a song. What are we going to do while we're singing this song? Well, you sing along. But you also have the opportunity to pray where you're at. God may be speaking to you that you need to respond and speak to him about this. God, help me to understand this. God, help me to do this, whatever it might be. Help me to put my trust in you. You may want to come and pray down here and know that when you do so, we're going to pray with you. Right? That's, if you see somebody come down, you don't have to know the name. Just pray. I'm going to pray for that lady. God, you know who that is. I'm going to pray for that man. You know who that is. You know what their need is. You pray for them. Maybe you want somebody to come pray with you. Maybe you'd like me to pray with you. Maybe you'd like the deacons will be over here. You'd like one deacon or the other to pray for you. Or you just grab somebody you know. So let's go pray. You may want to give your life to Christ and follow through with baptism. You're welcome to do that. You want to join the church. And we'll work through all of those things that make that happen. You may be called to be a missionary. Whatever God is doing in your life, we want to celebrate with you. We want to walk that with you as we move forward. Let's stand, let's sing. Savior say thy strength indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray find in me thine all in all as Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow Lord now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper spots and melt the heart of stone. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow.
I stand in Him complete. Jesus died my soul to save. My lips shall still repeat. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin that left a crimson stain, he washed it white as Let's go learn prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for these that are gathered, these that are with us online. Father, I pray that you would help us to go out and live a life trusting in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, why don't we sing the rest of the song? This is the part where it gets good, okay? This is the go part. So let's go, and then I got a couple things to say, and we'll get out of here. Praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life. Okay, a couple things as you walk out of here. Here's the have you reads for this week. I encourage you just to read scripture like I'm doing this afternoon. Read the rest of I read the rest of 1 Samuel 17. Be back tonight at 6 o'clock. That's when Randy's class starts. Now, I know that that's during the Kansas City Chiefs, Len Dawson quarterbacking thing, okay? But Randy's going to have you out before the game ends for those who are concerned, Okay. Randy, right? Randy, where's Randy at? Randy, that's Randy. You'll have him out before the ball game's over, right? Okay. So just, just know that. Okay. Now hold him to it too. All right. So encourage you to come out for that. That class. 
And so we'll do that. Wednesday night, Charlie's leading. Encourage you to be out for that. Okay, we'll be up in Springfield at the Crown. It's the Midwest Leadership Conference, which the summit, which they hold every two years now. And we host it in Illinois at the Crown in Springfield. And there'll be, there's 1,100 guys coming from I don't, 13 states or something like that for, for this. So pray for them as they travel. Also, if you didn't know, Teresa, some of you don't know that, but Teresa and the guy who prayed, Mark. Mark, you want to raise your hand? Mark, that's Mark and Teresa. They are married. <laughs> so if you didn't understand the banter between them, that's because they live in the same house. <laughs> Happily. Correct, yeah. All right. Okay. One other thing that he mentioned that I, I want to clarify, because he prayed for the offering. And if you've not been here before, you're thinking, well, when are they going to take the offering? Well, we're not going to take the offering per se. At the back there, behind, right back there at the back of the pew, and on the side here, right outside the door here, and down by the door there, there's a little wooden box with a huge neon sign on it that says, give here. No, it doesn't have a neon sign. But if you feel compelled to give to the church and the work of the church, you don't have to, in particular if you're a visitor. If you're here, if you're a member, I want you, you have to, okay? <laughs> okay? That's how that works, okay? That's how we do ministry here. It, it, it just, and that's how we do ministry beyond these walls. Um, we, we send out 13 or 14% of the money that comes in here goes outside these walls along with the special offerings that we take. And we're going to take one of those here in short order in March. Annie Armstrong offering. I guess somebody decided it's time for me to quit. Have a good day. <laughs>